0: Welcome to episode 73 of the 905er podcast. I'm Roland Tanner. I am Joel McLeod. It's beginning to seem like maybe, possibly, Ontario's starting to make real progress with vaccination. While the process for some of us has been frustrating, haphazard, and as one guest man would have called it, like an episode from The Hunger Games, the sheer number of vaccinations combined with the province seemingly getting serious about a lockdown that they weren't in an immediate rush to cancel is having an effect. We are far from out of the woods, but as the good weather finally arrives in the Golden Horseshoe, there is perhaps reason for a little bit of hope. Yet even as it seemed that there was some good news on the horizon, three Hamilton apartment buildings saw major outbreaks of COVID-19 in the last two weeks, all of the more transmissible UK origin variant. These outbreaks immediately seem to highlight COVID-19's gift for seeking out the more vulnerable members of our communities people who can't isolate in single-family homes with double garages, renters, new Canadians working in factory environments with no job security, those with mobility issues who depend on the kindness of others to deliver groceries. There were also claims that the reaction from Hamilton Public Health was slow, unhelpful, and seemed to be blaming residents for interacting with each other. Yet it seemed no coincidence that the three apartment outbreaks were all within the Hamilton Postal Code with the lowest vaccination rate. 905, our listeners may recall that when the provincial government began sending vaccines to pharmacies in early April, a request by Public Health to focus on downtown Hamilton pharmacies was ignored, and the vaccines were all sent to more suburban neighbourhoods. Today, the Hamilton neighbourhoods with the best vaccination rates, approaching 50%, are in wealthy Dundas and Ancaster, Downtown is weeks behind, with numbers in the 20s, with with residents facing multiple barriers to getting vaccinated that more wealthy Hamiltonians are less likely to face. To discuss this topic in detail, we invited on Justin Chandler. Justin is TVO.org's Hamilton Niagara Bureau reporter, covering current affairs in the region. He also co-hosts a comic book radio show, Radio Free Krypton. Last week, he published an article on TVO.org exploring the background to the apartment outbreaks. Have a listen.
1: I'd like to thank uh, Justin Chandler of TVO for coming on to the uh, -er, 905er today to talk about uh, Rebecca Street in Hamilton, as well as uh, uh, what's kind of going on with the, the apartment complex situation during the pandemic. Uh, in in Hamilton, uh thank you jo- Justin for taking the time from your schedule to uh, to come on and join us today. Well thank
2: you guys for your interest uh
1: let's let's start off by if you could just maybe summarize the story for Rebecca Street there's been a, it's been in the news in Hamilton recently, but for our listeners outside of Hamilton who are in the in the nine o five, can you just maybe summarize very briefly what's what's going on uh, with the apartment building there? Mm-hmm.
2: Well, until May 4th, we hadn't had any identified apartment building outbreaks in the city of Hamilton. And so, of course, people um, in apartments likely still got sick. There were likely still clusters. But as far as an identifiable outbreak, nothing had taken place um, until May 4th, when Hamilton Public Health announced that there was one of these happening at the Rebecca Towers apartment uh, downtown. And what they said at the time was that this 17-story building um, had all these cases across 10 floors. I think at this point, it's uh, about 110 people there have been infected and one person has died because of the virus. And then a week later, they followed up by letting everybody know that they'd identified two more outbreaks. Um, so in total, over 220 people have been infected with COVID-19 in outbreaks across three buildings in the city of Hamilton.
1: Um, and based on on your reporting that you did for TVO uh i if i'm 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 going to paraphrase you and if i get this wrong definitely interrupt and, and correct me but um the public health has said that they they don't know necessarily what is causing the the outbreaks they suspect it's uh airflow uh the building uh management has said that they are doing everything in their power to contain the spread and and to keep everyone safe yet the tenants themselves are saying that they only have one uh, very crowded uh, elevator to use to go up and down uh, from the top floor to the bottom, and that it's hard to maintain uh, social distancing inside the building, uh, outside of your unit. So it, 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 did I get that right? Am I the about those, those? So Hamilton
2: Public Health has actually said um, the primary cause of the outbreak, according to them, is uh, socialization. And they've said that this has taken the form of uh, sometimes tenants helping out other tenants, maybe getting groceries or doing child care. So not really like throwing parties, but unit to unit contact um, driven by people. And then the tenants have pointed to airflow and to, yes, this elevator. So that's one of the things um, is- essentially for the last month or more, they've only had one elevator for this whole 17-story unit because of some sort of essential repairs that had to happen. Unless, yes, like you said, um, the landlord has said that they're working on getting that done public health has said that that would be helpful but they, it's not in their purview to tell the landlord you have to fix this right away um, and then as far as the airflow things get complicated public health has said that um, that's a possibility but it's not something that they've identified as a primary cause and of course that's something we can get more into because there is a lot to impact there
0: so in essence the 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 primary blame uh, I don't want to use the word blame in a pr- uh in a negative sense necessarily but but certainly it's been interpreted that way by some it is tenants visiting other tenants whether that's for good reasons such as dropping off shopping or helping with with household things or or socializing um so so what what did the um the tenants i understand have been sort of quite um vociferous in denying that uh, and have also made the point that you know it's it hasn't overt- It does have an overtone of of blame there uh, that doesn't um, hasn't necessarily been there when we've been talking about outbreaks in other places. Um, is that a fair sort of reflection of of, of their um, perception of things? Yes, I
2: think people do feel that they're being blamed. Uh, I haven't heard anyone deny that there was um, any sort of like socialization like that. Like that, certainly, no one has said this did not happen. But what they've said is that. They think that there are other things, other factors, primarily the elevator and the airflow. And that's what tenants want Mm -hmm. uh, public health to look at and what they keep raising as uh, possibilities uh, to myself and to other members of the media and the public.
0: No, and they asked, uh, I believe, when this this first came up, they they kind of, I think, I believe the Tenants Association uh, made the request that there be kind of a special vaccination clinic put on in their building, which I thought was a very reasonable. A request. Um but it took quite a lot I mean, something like that has now happened, I understand, but it took quite a long time for that to come about. Um and uh I was wondering what, what were the sort of objections uh by public health or by the city of Hamilton to to why they couldn't kind of organize this this kind of rapid response where you get in there, vaccinate everybody and and get out, so to speak.
2: So far they've been pointing to resources so I think the number now if I remember correctly is about 86 people um, who have been vaccinated at least that was the number that was released as of um, Monday for Rebecca Towers and that was people who went to uh, a vaccination clinic there were actually uh, set hours for people from the Rebecca Towers to go get vaccinated and Hamilton Public Health is repeating that with uh, the other apartment outbreaks designating some time that people can go get their shots. But as far as on-site vaccinations, those have been limited to homebound residents. And that's been closer to 30 people at the Rebecca Towers. And I haven't seen any numbers yet about the other buildings. Um, But that just means people who, uh, for whatever reason, cannot leave their units and then people go there. And they've said that there's significant overhead to doing that. And that's sort of what public health has been pointing to as a reason for not rolling out a wider on-site clinic.
1: What how I, I, you said that there's an overhead, but I'm wondering what once you're in the building, like what more overhead is there to vaccinate the other? I, I don't I'll be honest, I don't know how many total residents there are in the building, but kind of like once you're there, how how much more overhead is there to just have enough vials for every uh, el- eligible person in in the building? Did, did public health ever answer that discrepancy? Uh, that's not
2: something that I've heard them address yet. I'm actually working on a, another article trying to follow up and get more answers to some of those questions because, again, that's something that I, I don't know. I'm not sure um, what exactly the, the technicalities are or the resources uh, when it comes to that. I, the one thing that they did mention was that uh, sometimes when a person might be identified as being... Um, eligible for an at-home vaccination they might later change their mind or something like that so maybe the implication there was time but i i don't want to to put words in their mouth really there hasn't been a fulsome explanation okay. in in my view
1: it's just a we've we've had talks of uh of public health not necessarily in hamilton uh but other jurisdictions going door-to-door providing COVID tests uh for for people in in apartment buildings and we just thought it was a little you know if you're willing to to go and jab a swab up somebody's nose, it can't be too too much more difficult to uh, to inject them with a with a, the the vaccine if you're going door to door. But that that's just me asking the question, I suppose. The the but we, I mean, it's not just Rebecca Street that we're talking about in terms of outbreaks, is there? I mean, this is there's been a, a number of other apartment buildings or apartment complexes that have face similar, a similar situation, isn't there?
2: Yeah, well, it's the, the three in Hamilton now that we know of. And then across Ontario, um, there was one in uh, North Bay, that the North Bay Perry Sound Health Unit dealt with back in March. Um, there have also been outbreaks, I believe, in Peel and London are the ones that I know
1: of. Right. And so does this come down to, you know, I mean, it, it, I guess it may not be necessarily just the the, the state of the building, but. The fact is, in an apartment building, it is very hard to maintain social distancing. Uh, you know, I mean, the, the, these folks themselves were dropping off groceries or, you know, I'm sure you, you bump into your neighbors as you come come home from work or just, you know, come home from school or, or just go about your daily business. You know, so like the, 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 I, I'm just, I'm, I'm puzzled as to why, you know, it, it, it's so quick to blame social gatherings or social Distance violations, whatever the terminology would be from public health, when in reality, the the realities of living in an apartment building is that no, you're just you're closer to your neighbors than you would be in a detached home. That's just that that's the the reality of the situation.
2: Yes, and I think that that is something that um, people are willing to uh, recognize. I know Public Health Ontario uh, they've said that yeah, if you're in uh, a building, there's more risk of you getting close to people in elevators and the laundry room and all these things. And we know that close contact uh, is a risk. I mean, I myself am a tenant and um, a lot of the times in the elevator, um, a lot of people like to wait and let one person go down, but sometimes another person will come in. Uh, There are a lot of folks who are not great at wearing their masks when they go to check the mail or when they go down to the laundry room. So you are at risk of uh, bumping into people a lot more than you would be if you're living in a house or a detached place like that.
0: I mean, uh, I mean, I guess this is one of the ways in which, which COVID can p- uh, particularly uh, affect um, people on, on on lower incomes, uh, newer Canadians, uh, uh, you know, uh, immigrant populations. I mean, I'm guessing that that um, is that is it fair to sort of say that Rebecca Street is a department building that has that 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 is, you know, it's not it's not millionaire condos. It's 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 a it's a regular apartment building kind of complex?
2: Yes, absolutely. Uh, At a Board of Health meeting on Monday, the director of Hamilton Public Health said that actually the neighborhood where all three of these outbreaks are um, is a high risk area. Uh, According to to indicators that public health uses, they said that there's a lot of people who work in warehouses, for example, um, where there have been outbreaks um, and just a lot of essential workers and the Hamilton spectator did some uh, very good reporting where they pointed out that it's also um, the forward sortation area that all of these buildings are in is also one with i believe the second lowest rate of vaccinations in the city of Hamilton so it's a whole confluence of factors and it's the sort of thing that we keep seeing again and again throughout the pandemic
0: there's an irony i mean i guess how how the 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 how vaccination has been targeted has been on, an ongoing issue of course also, I mean, one of the ironies is that the uh, the the people on lower incomes are also often people who are younger, so are not going to qualify yet, who are more likely to be in apartments than own their own homes. Who, uh, I mean, it it seems almost like it seems I mean, a. I mean, I guess. I'm astonished in some ways that this is one of the first major apartment building outbreaks that we've had, and it, has it been has it been demonstrated that that, that we're dealing with the, like the new variants here, or or is that not known yet?
2: I believe public health does know that. I just don't know myself. I I'd have to look back, but they do identify when they put out outbreaks whether or not variants are related.
1: Right, right. Uh, um, sorry, go ahead, Joe. Well, just I just want to touch touch upon the the point that you made about. That it's a identified by public health as a high risk area for, for COVID uh 19. Uh yet we're we're not seeing a priority of that neighborhood in the vaccination schedule. Um that, that seems to be a common theme that we're hearing, not just in Hamilton, but around the province of, you know, where we know people are are more susceptible. They're they're essential workers, frontline workers needing to work warehousing. Grocery stores, whatever the case may be, yet you you think there'd be a you know a, a vaccination center around the block for these people to go get get their needle, get their get their vaccine, and 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 be safe. That's not the case. Right? Is there any, is there any talk about from public health why that why this wouldn't be a priority area, why this wouldn't be a uh, you know a top a top top spot to get a, a vaccination clinic set up? Well, that that is interesting, and it's it's
2: not an identified hotspot. Um, public health in Hamilton actually identified three of its own hotspots after the province of Ontario designated two in the city that Hamilton public health felt were sort of outdated. Um, now, the province didn't uh, correspond with the Hamilton health unit before making these designations, and they based them on first wave statistics and. It it gets complicated because essentially in Hamilton, if you were living in a hotspot, um, number one, you had to know that you were in a hotspot. And number two, you had to know whether it was designated by Hamilton Public Health or by the province. If it was provincially designated, you could book online and the province was sending extra vaccines for those. If it was uh, locally identified, you had to book via a Hamilton phone line, which at the beginning was crashing quite a lot. um, And there were not extra allocations for those. So anywhere in Hamilton that was not designated they were just getting their per capita vaccination uh sorry their per capita vaccines the same as anywhere else in the province.
1: So basically it's almost like a free for all like you 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 got to you have to find out yourself if you're in a hot spot then you got to find out which number do I call do I call Hamilton Public Health or do I call the provincial hotline and then I'm trying to figure out where do I go from there to go get my my covid vaccine like i i understand they you know trying to empower people but this seems to be needlessly confusing and quite frankly the, the confusion is um adding adding to messes like this you know i i don't think it, you know people are wanting to get the vaccine but the you know you're just throwing a barrier after barrier to them to 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 get the needle in the arm I, I, that's just that's just my my take on it is that, and that this is what we get left with is you know apartment buildings where people are like where do I go what do I do I don't know, you
0: know I mean like, I I I claim not to be a complete idiot um, some people may disagree um, but you know I used to do a lot of writing and editing and stuff and it's like hopefully I've got a brain uh, and I found the the various websites for signing up for stuff difficult and I speak English as a native of of Actual England, apart from anything else. <laughs> uh, so, as a first language, you've got huge populations of people who are who don't speak English as a first language, or who are elderly, who you know maybe not too computer savvy, uh, are being asked to sort of juggle these different approaches, uh, juggle these different approaches, deal with websites which ask all kinds of questions which don't, on the surface, make a whole load of sense. Um, you know. Uh, you know, about your health background or whatever. Um, I mean, do you, do you think, Justin, this, this could have been done a lot better um, in terms of how this was rolled out to, you know, specifically with the objective of of making this easier for people who are in from lower-income backgrounds or from more diverse backgrounds?
2: It's difficult to say. I know with the vaccination rollout, I've heard that uh, it, maybe we prioritized speed over uh, ease of access. And I guess there's an argument to be made for that. And it's not something that I've really been able to interrogate as to the the values of either way. Um, I do know that people uh, like the Rebecca Towers tenant committee have said that it's difficult for people who work uh, maybe early hours, who have to uh, work out of the house and can't be on a computer refreshing every few minutes to book their vaccine, um, who have Phone plans with prepaid minutes and can't keep calling uh, the same number again and again until that they can get in. So I know that those barriers uh, certainly exist, and those are things that people have pointed out. What's the
1: What's the atmosphere like in the Rebecca Towers? Uh, you know, what, what you've you've talked with a number of the the tenants and the tenant association. Can you maybe give our listeners a bit of a sense of what? they're feeling right now. Well, I've only been able to or, speak so far with
2: uh, with organizers in the tenant committee, but I know from uh, reading a lot of great reporting in the Hamilton Spectator and in CBC Hamilton that um, tenants are starting, I think, to feel better that they've actually been able to uh, start to get vaccines and that some of them have been able to get them on site. Um, but overall, one thing that a lot of people have been saying is just a, a feeling of frustration and a feeling of um being forgotten which i think a lot of essential workers and low-income people have been feeling um just being that they're the the engine they're the people who are out uh, working while a lot of the rest of us like myself are able to stay home in uh, relative comfort Um, but they're also the people who are getting sick the most often
0: yeah that that really seems to be the sort of message that, that keeps on coming back again and again and again and i know a few weeks ago when, when the government was still at the point when the provincial government was still at the point of sort of directing uh vaccines to specific pharmacies that the city of hamilton asked for given kind of a list of, of, of pharmacies which included specific downtown sort of central hamilton ones and the government sent them um and i, I can't quote chapter on verse on the article i read this in now but uh, I, <laughs> I promise i'm not making it up uh uh where they were actually sent was more to uh, suburban um, the suburban parts of ha- Hamilton, which whether it's deliberate or accidental makes no difference really. It, it, it's this kind of left hand not knowing what the right hand's uh, doing problem. That I was kind of impressed by it, by the tenants' association and, and how kind of strongly they had advocated for the for the for the citizens in the building in effect, um, and you know kind of insisting on 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 the idea of having uh, people actually come to the building to to vaccinate people who who, who uh, at least who who had uh, transportation issues um, do you think that um you know the, the response when they first asked for for vaccinations on site was basically um, the hamilton's uh, Hamilton's kind of pandemic response uh, person who's, again, whose name I can't recall off the top of my head, uh, basically said, well, if you we do it for one, we'll have to do it for everybody. And, and my immediate thought was, hell, yeah, um, why not? Um, uh, you know, if, if if there's an outbreak, why couldn't you have kind of rapid response units in effect who who immediately go to that building and, and kind of uh, get it under control? Um, and you know, if resources is the is the kind of excuse for not doing that, then shouldn't we be kind of, or shouldn't the pandemic response unit at the City of Hamilton me, sort of insisting on more resources being given to them? Uh, I mean, is am I being just kind of dreaming here, or is, is that would that not be a, a realistic approach?
2: Well, it, like you said, it's certainly something people are asking for. The Rebecca Towers Committee wants. Um, well, they're saying that they want all apartments, if possible, to be able to get. Um, vaccinations, and I guess at this point it really does come down to uh, I, I don't know what the resources exactly that Hamilton Public Health are dealing with or how they're they're structuring things. We do know at least in the city now um, we're getting more vaccines. They the city added I think twenty one thousand new appointments um, just a few days ago to uh, to the system for clinics. Um, more pharmacies are opening up. So I, I guess at this point people are left hoping that they can get into places like that, because it certainly does not seem that the strategy um, is changing for better or for
1: worse. So there's no talk of kind of taking what we've learned from the apartment uh, building situation uh, in Hamilton, and we're not, so the public health hasn't made any announcements of we're going to change strategies, we're going to, to reprioritize our resources so that we can get into these places and maybe, you know, maybe prevent another outbreak From happening in another apartment building? There's been no talk about that from public health so far? Not to my
2: knowledge. I know they've uh, said that they're always learning and they're always uh, working to adapt to uh, new information and they have talked about um, hiring new vaccine ambassadors. I think something like 10 staff to try and uh, go to buildings and explain to people how they can book shots. But as far as as the strategy of uh, getting vaccines to people, um, no, they still seem to be relying primarily on the mass vaccination clinics.
1: Interesting, I, I, because I, I, I'm just like looking at the the past news about the AstraZeneca vaccine, which we're, I'm not going to get into in depth with you because that's not who we had you on for. But I was just like I was just look at the the confusion that 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 mess has caused in the whole vaccine rollout process in the province. Um, you know, this this hasn't been a a, a, a easy peasy situation. There, there's been a lot of hiccups, but I haven't seen anyone from the province down to public health say, "Well, we need to we need to revamp this. We need to re, realign our priorities and go, you know, go where where the vaccines are. Sorry, where, where the where the viruses, which seems to be again these apartment buildings and and apartment complexes where they really are kind of they're designed to be kind of incubators of The disease, like I can't think of a better situation, regardless of whose fault it is. I mean, I I don't, I I don't think I would blame the 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 tenants or the building management. It's just that's the nature of an apartment building. It's a tight, tightly structured building, Um, but nobody seems to be willing to take a look and say we need to, we need to address this. We need like the the it's not a cookie cutter solution here. It's we got to, we got to re reevaluate how this stuff. uh, You know, how how are we going to go in and, and build the dam to prevent the spread? And so far, it's, it's just more like a hopefully, we, hopefully this will all work out in the end, but there's no, from what you're telling me, this doesn't seem to be an actual plan put forward by anybody of authority in Hamilton.
2: Well, nothing like that, but I, I know public health has asked um, the building management in at least the case of Rebecca Towers, I'm not sure about the, the other buildings, but to go and uh, investigate airflow, for example. Um, So it is possible that if investigations find that there are problems, that um, there could be a push then to fix these things. Um, But at this point, it's still pretty early, and apparently these can take a long time. I know the North Bay Perry Sound Health Unit said that their outbreak that ended in March, uh, they're still doing the investigation for that.
1: Well, that that kind of raises an interesting point, is we are in a state of emergency. We have one declared in the province. Um, a situation like this, like th- this, does seem to be a public health risk. Like, th- like if there is a is a ventilation issue, uh, it does seem to be a, a definitely a public health a health issue as well. Yet nobody seems to be raising, you know, taking the responsibility for it. You know, there, there doesn't there doesn't seem to be any legal or legislative authority to step in and say, nope, we have the power to demand. You know, here, here, here's money to fix it, or here's the, you know, we can go to the ombudsman, or, or the public health uh, medical officer of health can come in, step in and say, I have the authority. I'm going to demand that you fix this immediately. None of that is happening. This, is, the, you know, there doesn't seem to be any consequences of, uh, of how do they, how did this happen? How did, how did it get this bad? You know, is anybody, is there, does there seem to be any sign of any responsible, any parties responsible for for the situation? No, so
2: that's something that at this point we we don't know. The The only people who have been, um, had their finger pointed at directly by officials are people who were socializing in the buildings, for example. There hasn't been any anyone pointing and saying like, this building needs to be fixed by these people or anything like that. Right,
1: so basically the powers that be, the medical officer of health and the landlord it was. It's convenient just to point back at people say you're not social distancing, you're not you're not wearing proper masking. It's your fault, not ours. Essentially, is what we've come down to in this debate.
2: Well, I, I guess to this point, yes. Yeah. So I would add the caveat though that they haven't finished investigating airflow and things like that. So one could imagine that if it turned out that no, I don't think this has happened. But if it turned out that there was some terrible or malicious problem going on that they could then point to uh, a landlord and say, you need to fix that. Um, but yeah, at, at this point we, we really don't know, we sh- it's still a waiting game. So as you say, the, the only source that's been identified and the only finger pointing that's happened has been uh, in that direction.
0: I, I believe um, now we would talk about airflow and things like that. I mean, I'm just thinking back to when I lived in an apartment building that didn't look dissimilar to the Rebecca street building, similar era. And, you know, there's no air conditioning. Uh, you can hopefully open your windows. Um, uh, I recall in the building I was in, anyway, that you know it, the the buildings were kind of interconnected, or the rooms, the apartments were somehow interconnected through with like kind of air. Um, I guess to like equalize pressure or whatever. But there were certainly literally tubes that went from my apartment to the to other people's apartments. Is that? A, I mean, I don't know. This is a question you can answer, but is that what we're kind of looking at when we're talking like airflow through the building of 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 uh, of that kind of situation, or of just how the air moves from apartment to apartment, and the fact that they're not actually sealed units um, uh, that are completely separate from each other, and there's actually air sort of shared between uh, people.
2: Yes. So the concern here, um, no, I, and I talked to an energy engineer, David Alstrom, about this. He also spoke to Hamilton's. Um, Board of Health, and he helps with the investigation into the North Bay case, um, and so he's someone who's looked a lot at this, and that is uh, the concern that he raises, um, and the idea being that there might be inadequate air flow, so maybe air is not moving enough, um, and that the virus is moving in between units, but essentially the way he explained it to me, um, apartment buildings, and they're all designed a little bit differently, but the main idea is that each floor is supposed to draw air air tends to come in under the door gap into a unit and then get expelled. Um, If you've got the windows open, it can go out through there or it can go out through vents in the kitchen or the bathroom. Um, And if things are working correctly, um, there have been studies by public health, by the National uh, Center, I can never remember the the acronym properly, NCCEH, I think National Collaborating Center for Environmental Health, And those have shown that if HVAC systems are working correctly, so if you have good ventilation, then that can actually be something that really helps with preventing COVID-19. So they're not saying that um, a good system is sucking air around and moving the virus. There's no evidence of that. But what these studies and what these organizations point to is that if um, things are not working well, there could potentially be more risk for that sort of airborne transmission. So that's why Elfstrom, for example, has said that uh, any building where there's an outbreak, there should be this sort of investigation or audit by an engineer who can then go and say, okay, are, is your airflow good? And help point to that.
1: But but isn't that, that raises the other question of uh speed and efficacy? Because I guess I guess we're we're thinking in terms of like a regular time like, oh, there's a problem. Okay, let's go do an investigation and let's call in these experts and the engineers and and know have them talk and go back and forth and yeah a year goes by and we come up with a recommendation that's usually how these things go we're in a pandemic there are people who are getting infected and they don't ha- they might not have a year to wait for you know a, a a a report to come down from some tenant board or or whomever on on what's going on so i guess it comes back to the question of there's, there's no, there's no at speed urgency on this. It sounds like there's a, there's no, this is not just happening in Hamilton, It's happening North Bay, as you said, Peel, uh, as well as London, but there doesn't seem to be an, a provincial urgency. Like we need to figure out what's going on in, in these apartment buildings. Is it a structural, is it a building code? Forget, you know, who, how, how do we solve, how do we prevent more outbreaks from happening? Because it seems that outbreaks happen in apartment buildings no fault of anyone's it's just the way these things are built but nobody's stepping up to say we need to fix it now um which i get it was a long-winded way of me asking this question is there any talk is there any talk of like a a, a provincial inquiry uh or any talk of like let's get this in front of like a, something with a, with teeth or something with authority to go and maybe put forth recommendations, changing building codes or, or giving public health, uh, units, the, the agency to go in and demand changes. Cause I'm I'm thinking not just for COVID, I'm thinking like there's another disease happening down the road that we don't know of yet. Yeah, I certainly, I don't know
2: anything, um, along those lines happening. I didn't even hear back from the ministry of health, uh, for this, this article. Um, so I'm not uh, I'm not really sure what they're doing there. I I was unable to hear uh, from them specifically if uh, they knew about cases where airflow was a problem or anything like that. So I can't really speak to what they're what they're doing.
0: I mean, I guess as a last point, maybe um, do you think um, I don't know if you followed the the, the sort of councils the Hamilton councils own pronouncements on on this story. Um, do you think that they were sufficiently um, uh, sufficiently supportive or sufficiently quick to kind of to, to react to this challenge and, and to give it it the, uh, the degree of concern that it deserved?
2: Well, I can't speak for all the counsellors, but I know that uh, at least as far as when it came to uh, meetings at the Board of Health, for example, counsellors were actually asking a lot of the same questions that reporters were asking. Um, and unlike reporters and press conferences who are limited to one question and a follow-up, counsellors were actually often allowed more. So I, I do have to give them credit for asking public health things like, how do you know that um, airflow was not a problem here? Are you investigating these things? So they've, they've definitely been, um, in, in my opinion, asking a lot of the right questions. And I guess we'll end up seeing as things move on whether or not um, they take actions that people deem as uh, helpful to prevent these in the future.
1: Well, I see that we're coming up on our 40 minute mark uh, on the clock. So uh, I'm just gonna say thank you very much, Justin, for coming on to uh, today's episode where we very much appreciate your your coverage of, of this topic because it's, it's a big one. Uh, so thank you very much. I'll just leave it at that. I appreciate you both having me on.